0: You are entering the Freedom Hut.
1: Biden gets roasted by Morning Joe. Secretary of State Pompeo will be joining us to talk about China and U.S. foreign policy. Sean Davis weighs in on General Flynn. And Alex Jones will eat his neighbors.
0: This, this is, is the Buck Sexton Sex, Show. Where the mission, or mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. Russia. One more thing. Make no mistake. American you're a great American again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. He's a great guy. It is Buck Sexton. Now.
2: Well, regarding uh, Joe Biden. Your campaign and surrogates going after him pretty hard with regard to these allegations from Tara Reid. What do you say no, to Joe Biden? I don't think so.
3: I don't think they're going after him hard with regard to Tara Allegations,
2: Reade. and what do you say Did to Joe Biden? Don't,
3: I don't know anything about it. I, I don't know uh, exactly. I think he should respond. You know, it's uh, it could be false accusations. I know all about false accusations. I've been falsely charged numerous times. Uh, and uh, there is such a thing. Uh, if you look because at um, if you do look do. at brett kavanaugh this is an outstanding man he was falsely charged what happened with him was an absolute disgrace to our country and i guess three of the four women have now admitted that and of the fourth give me a break i mean take a look uh, 36 years uh, that is uh, look this is a fine man i saw a man suffering So unfairly, I'm talking about Brett Kavanaugh, so but I don't know. I can't speak for Biden. I can only say that I think he should respond. I think he should answer them.
1: Welcome to Buck Sexton show, everybody. The president there asked about the allegations against Joe Biden and being, I think, fair minded in his response. He's talking about how there are uh, false allegations out there. He said it could be false allegations, you know. When the president of the United States has an opportunity here to crush his rival, the person running against him, he goes for a more fair, more even handed response. I think it's in part because Trump himself has been the subject of, as he says, I know all about false accusations. So he's saying we got to see now why he brings up Kavanaugh is quite clear. They almost the left, the libs, the Dems, the media, They almost managed to uh, scuttle uh, Kavanaugh's nomination to the Supreme Court and ruin his life and his career. Could you imagine the stain that that would leave on that man, on his legacy? What that could do to his family? It could destroy him. I mean, honestly, we would be lucky if they had destroyed the Kavanaugh nomination the way that they sought to. We would have been fortunate if we didn't find out years later that Kavanaugh decided to make a very bad choice about what to do with his own safety. That's the kind of destruction that they were willing to, uh, to induce, that they were willing to create because they hated Kavanaugh so much because of the threat that he is in the, as a Supreme Court justice to them getting what they want from the Supreme Court, which never should be the case. It's not about the Supreme Court as a super legislator, but that's what they want. That's what they prefer. And so if you try to get in the way of that, there's a problem. And they'll do anything. And the Kavanaugh saga was the ugliest political fight I've ever seen, and, and I, will, I will never think of some people the same way, including some liberals that I had previously had uh, pretty friendly relations with, um, not like that friendly, but you know, people that I knew, and they were willing to just go along with it all. And, I, I, and, and the people, anyone in the media also that were making fun of Kavanaugh's defense of himself. He seemed unhinged. Uh, these people are out, they're out of their minds. You're falsely accused by lunatics of sexual assault. In one case, let's not forget, one of the, one of the accusers said that Brett Kavanaugh was running, running a secret gang rape ring in high school, and she, when she was in college, because she didn't really do the, clearly the math on the ages and the years here, when she was in college, would go back to the high school parties where there were gang rapes occurring of unconscious girls and said that Kavanaugh maybe had drugged one of them. And then she said, well, actually, I don't think he drugged one of them. That person, the media gave her credibility. She was part of this assault on Kavanaugh. The most grotesque thing I've ever seen. And, and the point at the time as well for all of us was that Kavanaugh could have been any one of us, any one of our dads, our brothers, our husbands, our best friends, Brett Kavanaugh could be any of us, a man accused with obvious political motivation and a complete absence of corroborating evidence of any kind. In fact, all the evidence was going against the accusers. And Trump brings this up and we should never forget it, because this is one of those moments when you saw the separation between left and right, that the so-called liberals in this country, the Democratic ideology, the party of the Democrats, Uh, is willing to wholesale embrace lies and immorality to get what it wants. That the party line will be a lie. That the party line will be something that leverages the destruction of a human being on false pretenses, the bearing of false witness. If you want to go biblical, the bearing of false witness against someone as part of a political assault. It was absolutely appalling. And we all told them at the time, we said, Libs, You're going to wake up one day and say, uh oh, we probably shouldn't have used this uh, make believe standard. I mean, think of what this would. Women have a right to be believed. That was the phrase they used. It was a great. Yeah. Whip up the mob. Get them into a frenzy. Women have a right to be believed. Okay, well, explain to me what that means for the justice system and also, yes, for people's reputations fact women do lie about sexual assault sometimes it's a tiny minority of women but what happens to the men who happen to be falsely accused by those tiny minorities are they just collateral damage i'll never forget years ago the uh celebrated on the left at least pseudo-intellectual ezra klein saying that yeah if if consent standards are raised so high by state law that some guys who didn't rape somebody have to be accused of rape, but that puts all other guys on notice, you know, that would be, that would be a, a cost that we have to bear to make women feel safer. Oh, so, so innocent guys should go to prison for rapes that they didn't commit because that will put all the rest of us on notice? I mean, that, that was a classic left-wing beta male moment. That was some years ago. I'll never forget that. And remember, Biden was also part of adjusting college campus Title IX tribunals, these preposterous uh, Uh, show trials that they do where you don't have any rights to confront the accused. You don't have the right to counsel. You don't, you know, the standard is not even really, it's not even really clear. Is it a, is it a beyond a reasonable doubt or preponderance of the evidence, the evidence they make it up as they go along. You basically have no rights as the accused other than to suffer so that the accuser feels better about the situation. That's how the college campus title IX sexual assault tribunals that Obama and Biden made an issue of federal policy. Don't forget that. So now Biden wants the very same uh, or, or the very kind of of justice that he denied to young men all across America on college campuses. Now Biden wants the very same uh, treatment that the Democratic Party was denying Kavanaugh entirely. And now they're gaslighting us. No, we just wanted an investigation. Really? You know, Libs, are, are, do you think we're all they really do think they're smarter than us, which is one of the more annoying things about them uh, because they're not. Two-day FBI investigation? What the heck are you going to find from a two-day... You think the FBI are some kind of, you know, superhero cops? Don't even get me started on what happened to General Flynn. We'll talk about that in a few moments. But the FBI is just going to say, yeah, we'll find out what happened 30 years ago based on the allegations of a woman who's clearly emotionally disturbed, who can't remember when, where, or how the thing happened. All she can remember is that at this point in time, she needs to destroy Brett Kavanaugh. That's really all she can remember he grabbed her in a place that she can't remember at a time she can't remember in a year she can't remember and no, there's no one else who has any memory of this whatsoever this like you know boy scout uh straight a student captain of the football team who's bringing meals to the needy on the weekends brett Kavanaugh, yeah secret gang rapist folks that's what they told you about him these people are disgusting I mean, really, I, I don't I don't pull punches about the Kavanaugh thing. Those who are trying to destroy him and were willing to abandon all critical faculty, all rationality, all reasonableness are a disgrace. They're immoral, they're disgusting and they're stupid too. all of the above, all of the above. Uh, they let their emotions completely override the rest of their brain. And Trump was willing to say there are false accusations this morning. Joe Biden actually had to answer for the for the allegation. Uh, you know, Trump is saying there can be he's not saying this allegation is false. He's saying there can be false allegations, which I think is a pretty generous thing under the circumstances for him to say. So then that brings me to, OK, well, what exactly? You know, if we if we look at this now, what what can we expect from Joe Biden? Ah, Joe Biden got roasted on Morning Joe. Indeed, let's get into that.
0: You're in the freedom hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. These claims are not true. There's no
2: cooperation. I mean, they're not true, Mr. Vice President.
4: I don't know what else I can uh, say
2: to you? Well, uh, I'm going to try and ask many different ways. Uh, Stacey Abrams uh, said during the Kavanaugh hearings, I believe women. I believe survivors of assault should be supported and their voices heard. Kirsten Gillibrand tweeted, do we believe women? Do we give them the opportunity to tell their story? We must be a country that says yes every time. They now both support you. Nancy Pelosi falls into this category too, as well as many other leaders in the Democratic Party. Are women to be believed... Are women to be believed unless it pertains to you?
4: <laughs> look, women are to be believed, given the benefit of the doubt, if they come forward and say something that, is, that they said happened to them, they should start off with the presumption they're telling the truth. Then you have to look at the circumstances and the facts. And the facts in this case do not exist. They never happened. And there's so many inconsistencies in what has been said in this case. So you just look at the facts. And I assure you, it did not happen. Period. Period.
2: But why is it different now? Do you regret what you said during the Kavanaugh hearings?
4: What I said during the Kavanaugh hearings was that she had a right to be heard. And the fact that she came forward, the presumption would be she's telling the truth unless it's proved she wasn't telling the truth.
1: That's not what he said during the Kavanaugh hearing, by the way. Uh, They're completely rewriting history now of what happened during Kavanaugh. Remember, the standard was that Kavanaugh should have to step down from the nomination in disgrace despite nothing being proved about him. They couldn't prove a damn thing. They could not prove anything that was being alleged, not one bit of it, other than someone saying that. Someone someone made an accusation. They, they had that when I say there was zero cooperation or evidence zero, they had nothing. They had no additional witnesses. They had nothing. But he was supposed to to step down because even the doubt, this was the standard. Women have a right to be believed. And even the doubt that an accusation causes is enough for you to not be on the Supreme Court, not be in a position of authority. You get to be ruined just so we're sure that was the standard. Producer Mark and I were talking to this before the show. I give uh, credit where it's due. It's one of my one of my mantras here, right? I give credit where it's due. And Mika, right, producer Mark, ask real questions.
5: Yeah, 100 percent. She did the right thing. It didn't give him softballs.
1: Didn't give him softballs. Okay, Ask some real questions. Now, I think realistically, is it kind of funny that we have to sit here and go, hey, look, a, a journalist who's doing journalism for once. Where was CNN, by the way? Where was fake Tapper? I'm sure he could have gotten through all of his connections in the uh, lib media. He could have gotten this interview with Biden. Didn't want it. Didn't want it. Needed to make sure it was Mika. I got to have a female be the one that's asking the question. We get it. We understand the optics here. You know, where were Anderson Cooper, he didn't want this one. Nope. 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 Bro Cuomo. Done with the bench. Done with my lat, my lat curls or whatever. Bicep curls, lat. I don't know. Rose, lat, rose, bicep curls. Same thing. See, I'm not bro Cuomo. Uh, yeah, no, none of that. None of that. No, they, they waited until this. Uh, I would also want them to ask a very straightforward question to Joe Biden, which they won't ask, though. Uh, and this would be if you really were trying to get to the heart of the matter in a way where they couldn't, they couldn't escape and avoid what the real implications of all of this may be. Uh, they should ask Joe Biden, is Tara Reid lying? Is she lying? He should have to answer that question. Because I I can sit here and tell you, you know, Blasey Ford and the rest. Remember, there were others, too. They were lying about Brett Kavanaugh. They were lying. You can say, no, they weren't. I can say, well, I think that they were and no one can prove otherwise. So there you have it. Right. Is she lying? He should be asked that question. But then you get into some other areas for Biden that did not look very good. Like, for example, why can't we search in his Senate records at the University of Delaware, which were sealed after he was done in the Senate? Why can't we search those records for her name to see if it comes up at all? And this is Biden's again, more more kind of blathering and nonsense spewing from Biden. Play four. The
4: material in. The University of Delaware has no personnel files, and it has, but it does have a lot of confidential conversations that I had with the president about a particular issue, that I had with the heads of state of other places, that that would not be something that would be revealed while I was in public office or while I was seeking public office. It just stands to reason, the best of my knowledge, no one else has done that either.
2: I'm, t- I'm just talking about her name, not anybody else, in those records. A search for that. Uh, Nothing classified with the th- president or anybody else. I'm just asking why not do a search for Tara Reid's name in the University of Delaware records.
4: Look, I mean, who 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 does that
2: search? The University of Delaware, Uh, perhaps you set up a commission that can do it. I don't know. Whatever is the fairest way to create the most transparency.
4: Well, this is, look, Mika, she said she filed a report. She has her employment records still. She said she filed a report with the only office that would have a report in the United States Senate at the time. If the report was ever filed, it was filed there, period.
1: According to Joe Biden, at least, didn't sound very convincing with that. And also, what exactly is in the University of Delaware archives about Joe Biden's Senate record that's so concerning? Interesting, isn't it? Why wouldn't we have that that transparency that the university can hold these documents, but they're not able? They were going to be released. It's not classified stuff. So that's a total dodge. That's nonsense. They were going to be released. This came up in the interview. And then they decided to extend it, extend it beyond when Joe Biden is running. And it's because they think that there is oppo in there. There's opposition information that could be used by Trump or by anyone who's critical of Biden in a way that's going to hurt his campaign chances. Well, gee, now we really want to see what's in the University of Delaware records, don't we? They were going to they were going to unseal it. And well, while Joe Biden was going to be a private citizen afterwards, you know, making millions and millions of dollars giving speeches, I would note, uh, but he's going to be a private citizen. And and then they say, no, 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 we can't release that. It'll hurt Joe Biden's presidential chances. Hmm. Makes me think that people really want to see what's in there, don't they, Joe? Remember, this is uh, this is the, the the Democrat maneuver. Sometimes you got to destroy records. It was Clinton's uh, national security adviser, Sandy Berger, who went into classified classified archives and uh, snuck documents out in his socks and destroyed them. That's not something when you had been national security adviser, you would do unless there was damning material in there that was going to ruin your and your president's legacy. We don't know what was in those documents, do we? Because they were destroyed. The only copies on the handwritten note, they were destroyed. Joe Biden, I'm wondering right now, how many weeks have they had to uh, to scrub the record of anything Tara Reid related? Oh, no, the Democrats wouldn't. They wouldn't like, you know, scrub it like with a cloth, like bleach bit of server. They wouldn't do that. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sex, and Show
0: podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple podcast, the iHeartRadio app or
1: wherever you get your podcasts. All right. As promised, we have the secretary of state, Mike Pompeo, with us right now. Mr. Secretary, thank you so much.
0: Buck,
3: it's great to be with you. Thanks for having me on.
1: A lot going on right now. China, obviously, the big focus from the international relations standpoint. Uh, There's a, a piece in The Washington Post that says China wasn't wild about Pompeo before the virus. It's really gunning for him now. And then it seems to list a bunch of state media propaganda directed at you as if you've somehow upset them. Mr. Secretary, what have you done to get the ire of the Chinese Communist Party?
6: Yeah, Buck, what we've tried to do, what Trump administration has tried to do is just very simple. We've tried to get China to uh, deal with us in a way that is fair and reciprocal. We saw it most clearly at the front of the administration on trade, but we've done the same thing diplomatically, the same thing militarily. And then we've had this moment, this moment where this virus began in Wuhan, China. And in spite of President Trump's best efforts, my best efforts, we've not been able to get our experts in uh, to figure out what actually happened here. We have we of course, have two goals in that, right, Buck? We have the goal of figuring out what happened here, how did, it, how did, how did this go down, uh, why did it get out, how did it spread all across kind of the world, causing now more than 50,000 losses of life in America, a couple hundred thousand all across the world. Uh, but so we, we need a responsibility and accountability for this outbreak. But it's really important, Buck. We have to understand what happened to make sure something like this can't happen again. And so there are multiple labs inside of China, and uh, our understanding of what takes place there is pretty limited. And there have been examples of leaks from those labs before, and we gotta. This has been expensive, costly, uh, a calamity around the world. We need to do our part, and there is responsibility on the part of the Chinese Communist Party to make sure something like this can never happen again. I, I don't know if, as to why they keep saying these things about me. This isn't personal. This is about protecting the American people, and we'll keep doing it.
1: And what is the response you get from your Chinese counterparts in the foreign ministry when you say, we just want greater access and transparency about something that is obviously affecting the United States and the whole world? Do, do they have a, a reason, a rationale for why we shouldn't get the access that we want?
6: Uh, you, you've seen the statements they've made publicly. They've claimed that they have been transparent. But of course, uh, at least as of a day or two ago, we still didn't actually have a, a sample of the virus. We were still working to try to understand what the scope of the risk was Uh, answers about where this came from they claim they didn't know and then in fact uh, those inside of China who have tried to talk about this some of the uh, people who have reported on it or those who have uh, doctors who tried to talk about this back in January or earlier this year uh, were denied access we're told don't talk about that stop it they uh, uh, they banned discussions of this early on Uh, that's not the way uh, partners work reliable partners work reliable partners share they open up especially when there's trouble they uh, they go overboard to make sure everybody can understand how it came to be that's all we've asked for Uh, we hope that the Chinese Communist Party will see their way clear to allow the world to understand how the heck this virus got out of Wuhan China and spread all across the world
1: we're speaking to Secretary of State Mike Pompeo Uh, Mr. Secretary I want to ask you what what about accountability Uh, there's already been some discussion of possible lawsuits against the Chinese Communist Party. How that goes, how far they go remains to be seen. But down the line, could you foresee a situation where if, in fact, it is proven that China acted irresponsibly to cover this up? Once we've gotten past, obviously, the most important thing right now dealing with the virus, will there be accountability for the Chinese Communist Party? Well, we, look, we've been focused on the here and now, trying to keep Americans safe and healthy as best we can and to get this
6: economy cranked back up again so people can get back to work, get out of their places that they're... Uh, sheltering today, So that's been the predominant missions that we've had with respect to the virus. But there will come a time uh, when we need to make sure that we understand what happened here. And those responsible, those who took actions that prevented earlier notice, those who took actions uh, that allowed this virus to spread. You know, we've seen the narrative, which is uh, that the virus began and uh, the Chinese Communist Party knew about it, didn't alert the world to it in a timely fashion. The president's talked about this uh... as we continue to investigate and we learn precisely what happened i am confident the whole world uh... wants to know the answer to this because the world has a uh, a right to know what happened and then ultimately hold those persons or those nations who in engage in this activity that harm the world to find a mechanism to hold them accountable as you said there've already been some lawsuits filed in the united states i don't know what precisely the right mechanism is and what the president will ultimately choose But we will present him a set of options once we know all the facts uh, that hold uh, those persons responsible for this accountable.
1: And in Hong Kong, there's been an additional crackdown from the Chinese government. Uh, I know that's gotten some focus from you recently. Are are they essentially trying to use the the shroud of of everyone dealing with this virus to get away with with more repressive measures? And what can the U.S. I mean, we we have our hands full, obviously, with the virus. But to the degree that we can, are we able to push back a bit on the on the crackdown in Hong Kong?
6: We've made clear since uh, early last year, when we first started to see some of this activity in Hong Kong, that our ask of the Chinese Communist Party was the same one uh, that we make with respect to this virus. Show us what you're doing. You made a set of promises back in 1947. You made a set of promises about one country and two systems. Live up to those international commitments. Uh, If you do those things, Hong Kong can continue to be the thriving place uh, that those who've had a chance to travel there know. It's a big financial hub. Uh, It's a place that uh, has a different system inside of China, Uh, but they have obligations, they have duties, Uh, promises, not that we made or not that the British made, but that the Chinese Communist Party made, and we asked them to live up to them. That's what I said last week when we saw some of the actions that they were taking, or at least contemplating taking, and it's what we continue to try and hold them accountable for. They, they have to live up to their international commitments. The world is watching these things, and it's not hard to do. They ought to just simply do it.
1: We're speaking to Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, Mr. Secretary, you and Senator Elizabeth Warren, uh, former presidential candidate Elizabeth Warren. uh, You had a bit of an exchange on Twitter. You told her that she should review the law again. Our rights under U.N. Security Council Resolution 2231 are separate from the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, the JCPOA. But I'll put you down for Chinese arms sales to Iran on October 18th. Which weapon is it okay with you if they send a couple of divisions of VT four tanks, good uh, Mr. Secretary, just tell me this. What is this dispute about? Or what, is, what, are, what are you saying? And what is Elizabeth Warren's position?
6: Well, President Trump came in knowing that the Iran nuclear deal was a disaster and got out of it in May of 2018. One of the reasons it was such a wreck was that most of the major provisions uh, weren't permanent. They began to expire. The uh, first of uh, such provisions expires in October of this year, just <clears throat> buck, just a handful of months away. And so we're going to use every tool we have in our diplomatic bank uh, to ensure that come October of this year the Chinese can't sell tanks, the Russians can't sell armaments, uh, all conventional arms sales uh, that this provision prohibits today will will expire, and they'll be uh, the world's largest state sponsor of terror in Iran will be able to purchase those weapon systems. And so uh, we had a little bit of fun, but when Senator Warren said, you know, uh, goodness gracious, you can't use the JCPOA, we're not doing that, the United States has an unambiguous right At the u.n security council to keep these restrictions in place and president trump has made clear we're going to make sure iran never gets a nuclear weapon and we're going to deny them access to weapon systems to the maximum extent feasible
1: i think given all the tough news these days these days uh secretary before we let you go i just wanted to ask what are some of the of the things that are going on at the at the international level when it comes to our allies and partners trying to help us deal with this whether it's information sharing between scientists, between doctors and, and medical researchers around the world. Just, is, is there anything you can speak to with regard to how our allies are coming through for us?
6: Yeah, Buck, that's a great question. We, we've had some uh, friends do some great things. You know, First, we had uh, uh, tens of thousands of Americans stranded all across the world. Some of our friends have been fantastic. And helping the State Department get now over 75,000 people back who had travel plans or they were on a mission trip and got stuck overseas and uh, planes stopped moving, and we were able to get them home. So that's been heartening to watch these other countries help us do that as well in difficult conditions with the virus. Um, but as for the work being done on the virus itself, there is a global campaign uh, of countries that have really talented epidemiologists, scientists. Um, people who know chemistry, working to find therapeutics and vaccines. You see the list of all of those that are in process. Uh, I'm very confident that we will find a good answer before too long, and it will be uh, a global solution, one that I know America will play a significant part in moving forward.
1: Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, always appreciate your time, sir. Thanks again.
0: Buck, thank you, sir. Have a good day. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
1: My question is, have you seen anything at this point that gives you a high degree of confidence
3: that the Wuhan Institute of Virology was the origin of this virus? Yes, Yes, I I have. Yes, I have. And I think that the World Health Organization should be ashamed of themselves because they're like the public relations agency for China. And this country pays them almost $500 million a year and China pays them $38 million a year. And uh, whether it's a lot or more, it doesn't matter. It's still, they shouldn't be making excuses when people make horrible mistakes, especially mistakes that are causing hundreds of thousands of people around the world to die. I think the World Health Organization should be ashamed of themselves.
1: And yet, what's going to happen to the World Health Organization? Very little. I'm sure the Democrats, if they were to win the election this fall, will make sure they're funded. They won't even just restore any funding the Trump administration has considered withdrawing from them. From you know the U.S. the taxpayer giving the WHO all this money. Uh, I bet the Democrats, if if Biden were to win, you know if they can just carry Biden this this really this kind of doddering, doddering old fool. I mean it's it's gotten ridiculous now what we see happening in all of these press conferences he's giving and and. But they're going to do it. They don't care. These people are really, you know, the one thing about Democrats you have to remember is they are ruthless, absolutely ruthless. And they think they're the nice people. That's what's always so amazing. They think they're the the sweethearts that care about the poor and the needy and the downtrodden. But they're ruthless. And they don't give a, you think Pelosi gives a crap about the poor or the downtrodden? Come on. No one really believes that. Nobody really believes that. I guess some libs do it makes them feel makes them feel safe and warm at night. That that delusion is something that is uh, helpful for them It allows them to keep going and keep doing what they're doing. Uh, I want to know we will talk about the storming of the storming of the Capitol as as it's being reported here uh, with people in Michigan, uh, armed protesters going to the Michigan Capitol. People are sick of the lockdowns. We, We will get into that because we do have to reopen this country and Uh, And I'm I'm really getting to the point now where I'm wondering when everyone's going to wake up that the people in charge, they don't have some great plan. Doesn't exist. Our brilliant scientists, they can't cure this thing. They don't know what to do. We have doctors who are trying to treat it, trying to keep people alive. Thank you for that. But the medical community in terms of research and medical policy at the highest levels, no answers. This test and trace thing that they keep talking about, it's not going to happen. I mean, we might well do some of it. Here's what they they haven't yet figured out. Are they going to mandate testing for everybody, meaning that you are the government obligates you to get a blood test every two weeks for you to be able to go out and work? Is that what's going to because if you don't do that, people aren't going to take these tests. They're not going to do it. So how are you going to get to 20 million tests a day, which is what some people are talking about as needed for us to reopen. How, how do you get there? if People won't do the tests. There are testing centers now all over the country that don't have very many clients. So what do they really think is going to happen here? How is this supposed to work? They don't have any answers. They don't have any answers. In fact, here, I, I wanted to... Uh, we're going to talk about the General Flynn situation, the updates uh, on that in just, in just a moment. But, but first, just to give you a... Look, uh, we, we got to talk about it because it affects all of us right now. Um, and, and here you go. You've got uh, the... Experts that CNN is currently uh, is currently citing in this piece. I'm trying trying to find this this piece right now, um, telling us that turns out here you go. The novel coronavirus is likely to keep spreading for at least another eighteen months to two years, until sixty to seventy percent of the population has been infected. Along uh, a team of longstanding pandemic experts predicted in a new report. So. Remember, flatten the curve. I understand we were told flatten the curve because of hospital capacity. Hospital capacity was not even close to being overrun nationwide. And we had excess capacity in New York City. It was a strain on hospitals for sure. But there were there were not people dying in the hallways by the hundreds who couldn't get any doctor couldn't get a ventilator. That was all not true. And that was why we were told to flatten the curve. Now some of us turn around and look and say, hold on a minute. Why are we going to keep flattening the curve across the whole country when these epidemiologists who have been part of, here here, I mean, this is a a, a highly res, a highly respected group that this is all they do is look at pandemic disease and spread. Here you go. This is from the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy, SIDRAP at the Uni- University of Minnesota. The idea that this is going to be done soon defies microbiology. They're telling us that 70% of people are going to get infected. Now, let's understand that that is herd immunity. What they're telling, what these so So someone needs to tell me if they're wrong because if we're flattening the curve just because we're scared and we want to pretend that something better is going to happen, we're destroying our economy, we're giving up all of our freedoms and individual liberties because we're hoping that in a month or two some miraculous... Cure emerges and we are destroying our economy, we're doing this isn't like this is cost free. This is a horrible stuff that's going on. And we're not even in the aggregate. And this is the piece that people don't seem to want to grasp. We're not even protecting people from infection long term. We're just slowing the rate of infection. Well, why are you slowing the rate of infection? So that you don't overwhelm hospitals. Hospitals aren't even close to being overwhelmed. So why are we slowing a rate of infection nationwide when it's not even close to overwhelming hospitals if the epidemiologists here are saying that basically we got to get a lot of people infected for this thing to go away? I'm not I mean, I'm not making this up. This is not some crazy. I'm reading what the experts are saying. I have thought this all along that the only way the only way past this virus is going to be through it. Yes. Staff up. Yes. Do what you can. Yes. Protect the vulnerable. Remember, 60 to 70 percent of the population, if 70 percent of the low risk population. So if 70 percent of people uh, in the country, but it's, you know, 99 percent of that 70 percent, let's say, are under the age. I know this is getting a little bit confusing, but under the age of 70. We're going to, you know, we'll be okay. And then the then the at risk population because of the vectors of disease being much less, meaning that a healthy 30-year-old is going to come into contact, or sorry, an immune 30-year-old is going to come into contact with a, an infected 30-year-old and therefore won't get the virus and then spread it to their, their grandma at home. If, if this is what we're heading for, then protecting vulnerable populations but allowing the younger and less susceptible to this to go back to life and go back to work, that's the only answer. And this continued flatten the curve, flatten the curve, flatten the curve doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense, folks.
0: We need to face up to this. Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex, and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, it looks to
3: me like uh, Michael Flynn would be exonerated based on everything I see. I'm not the judge, but I have a different type of power. Uh, But uh, I don't know that anybody would have to use that power. I think he's exonerated everything. I've never seen anything like it. What they did, what they wrote, you see this, General, you wouldn't want this happening to you, what they did to General Flynn. And uh, it's just uh, disgraceful.
1: It is disgraceful, but it's important that we understand exactly why and how bad it was and push for accountability, justice for Flynn and accountability for those who clearly set him up we got sean davis with us now he's been uh writing on this all week and he is as up on it as anyone he is with the federalist he's a co-founder there go to the federalist.com for his latest sean good to have you back
7: good to be here thank you for having me
1: all right my man uh let's let's go you tell me this piece in particular fbi closed the flynn case dubbed crossfire razor in early 2017 then what happened
7: Yes, it's fascinating. So we we learned from documents filed yesterday that had been unearthed by uh, a U.S. attorney out of St. Louis, Missouri at bars urging. And these documents showed that the FBI, after investigating Michael Flynn for who knows how long, found no evidence that he had done anything illegal, no evidence that he was a secret Russian agent, no evidence that he'd broken laws, no evidence that he'd had any illegal conversations. And on January 4th, 2017, the FBI actually was was getting ready to close the case and in fact the case should have been closed per text from peter Strzok, who said it was only still open because of what he termed fbi incompetence but peter Strzok intervened at the last minute said hey 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 i need you to keep that case open you keep that case open he texted the ca- case agent and what i find fascinating about this is that happened on january 4th <clears throat> they knew Flynn did nothing wrong they put it in writing on January 5th, in the Oval Office, Obama, James Comey, and Sally Yates, and Susan Rice have a secret meeting. On January 6th, uh, Comey goes in and briefs Trump on the dossier. On the 10th, it leaks to CNN, and then on the 12th, we got probably the worst crime to happen yet in this entire collusion hoax was an illegal leak to Washington Post columnist David Ignatius uh, detailing, allegedly, transcripts of phone calls between Flynn and the Russian ambassador – uh, done as part of Flynn's job uh, in, in raising the specter of the Logan Act. So so put all together, you can see the fix was in for Flynn. We're pissed they didn't have any evidence on him. So they cooked up that out of nowhere, this Logan Act nonsense, and then perpetrated illegal leaks against him to, quote, in their words, get him fired.
1: Yeah, I've got to say, Sean, that with the new information in particular, it seems to me that we have to we have to start you know, one part of this that has always been a very a very clear objective from the, the media angle has been to make sure that the that the Obama administration component of this is never discussed. You brought up this this secret meeting. It is completely to, to me. It is unfathomable and not in the least credible that Obama's appointee FBI director would not have been briefed on this. Remember, the people that were making these decisions, Comey and Strzok and others they very much were trying to justify this behavior that they were doing so why wouldn't if if their actions were legitimate if they really thought that this was a national security threat that the incoming national security advisor posed wouldn't they be obligated to at least inform obama i don't believe that they kept him how would they keep him out of this that makes no sense
7: no i think we now know that this this entire hoax and this entire coup attempt against trump went to the very top of the u.s government at the time and and i don't think we even have to uh really go out on a limb to do that because again according to uh texts from our good friend peter struck when he had texted the agent to say you need to keep this case open he immediately texted lisa page because the two of them per trump were the lovers texted her just minutes after he was able to keep the case open and said hey it's still open isn't this amazing And by the way, the seventh floor uh, is is in charge of this, Uh, the seventh floor being a reference to the director's suite, James Comey. So it is is not conceivable to me that this thing was magically reopened, even though there's no evidence, according to the FBI, that the seventh floor, Comey and McCabe were involved, and that the very next day, uh, Comey, Yates, and Obama and Susan Rice meet to talk about it. And the reason we know about that January 5th meeting is because Susan Rice pinned this very odd email to herself the moment Trump was being inaugurated on January 20th, 2017, saying, oh, I just want a posterity to know I did everything by the book here. Everything was all good. We didn't do anything illegal. Obama told us to do it by the book. If that's not a smoking gun about what they were up to with Flynn, then I don't know what
1: is. I think that's hilarious, by the way. the 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 old the old shoot the email to yourself that says I was a good person who did not break the law. Period. <laughs> These people have got to be kidding me. But you know, I'm sure Fake Tapper is going to be all over that one, Sean.
7: Well, he, I'm sure he'll be all over it once he gets out of everyone's DMs, complaining that they're not being nice enough to him on the internet.
1: Yeah, that's probably true. We're talking to Sean Davis of The Federalist. Sean, also just what is it that we now are waiting for um, in terms of the the federal judge that's looking at the case and where we stand with possible exoneration? We're hoping the president doesn't have to use a pardon because we all know if the president pardons him, even though in any reasonable world he should be pardoned. This is completely insane. (laughs) We've got we've got FBI agents who are uh, one, weren't even sure that he how can you be not sure that he lied and then char- and then have Mueller charge him for lying later i uh, had no real uh, objective reason for even talking to him? I mean, look, I-, I was in the CIA. I used to work with FBI guys sometimes if they had saddled up next to me, like when we were getting coffee at the machine. They're like, hey, Buck, like, you know, remember that thing you did yesterday with that guy? How would that go? And I was like, oh, yeah. And, and I got so- I said something wrong. I wouldn't expect them to slap the cuffs on me. I mean, unless I was talking about, you know, selling drugs on the side or something. But that's what we're that's what we're up against here. They were having a collegial conversation with someone that was a national security advisor and then they tried to
8: get him to lie.
7: They even said it, uh, according to the notes from the top FBI counterintelligence official, which came out earlier this week, he said, I mean, what's the point here? Are we wanting to get the truth or are we trying to get him to lie to get him fired? Um, and I think that's what's so distressing. And you made the point that the agents involved in this initially said, per Comey, per K, for their own notes, we don't think he lied. There's no indication that he was lying. And But we get to go back to the the struck text because you've you got to love that this whole thing came crashing down because these two people couldn't keep it in their pants and then couldn't keep uh, their discussions off of government cell phones just to show you the level of incompetence we're dealing with here. They almost got away with it, if if not for that. But according to Peter Strzok's text, um, he, he told Lisa Page, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that 302, I, I basically had to completely rewrite it, or I tried not to completely rewrite it. But I had to edit it and still keep it in the voice of the agent who actually wrote the original form, the agent being Joe Pienka. So we have Strzok in his own words admitting that weeks after the fact, he was going back and editing the original form to make it say things that we think didn't actually happen.
1: What happens now, Sean, Do you, you, you think that we're going to see I'm ever since the McCabe non-prosecution decision was made, which I, I predicted and was correct. I've been saying all along, guys, don't expect any. Don't expect anybody that the the system likes that they still because Flynn was outside the system, even though he was of the system. They hated him. Right. There are people inside of it. And this is true of Brennan and the way he feels about other government employees who are tied to Trump right there. There are people who are not part of the cool kid club. And uh, that, that means that you're going to have this level of immunity, even when your malfeasance comes to the surface, as, as happened with McCabe line under oath. He's not going to prison. He's not even being charged. Do you think that uh, there's going to be do you think there'll be any accountability here as, as we get more of this information? Or you think that this is just going to be a political issue?
7: Uh, I don't know. So there's two issues. There's the Flynn case issue. And then there's, you know, the larger FBI and DOJ corruption issue. With the flynn case he's got two motions pending one is to withdraw his guilty plea he's got a whole bunch of reasons he's put in writing with the court for why he should be able to withdraw it and the other is a motion to dismiss the case entirely due to egregious uh, government misconduct now the judge in that case has a history of throwing the book at corrupt uh, federal law enforcement officials who try to frame people they did it in the ted stevens case but he's also a complete wild card he had a couple of outbursts Uh, earlier in the case where he personally called Flynn a traitor, he attacked Flynn's attorney. Um, So what he's going to do, I don't have any idea. I think justice demands that this case be dismissed with prejudice and and that all these people involved with it be investigated for corruption. I don't have any idea what Sullivan's going to do there.
1: And this is perhaps of greater interest to you and and me and other conservative media uh, people. But I've seen some of the of the rationalizations for the new. And remember, now we have the FBI in their own writing saying, how do we get him to lie? What's the you know, basically we're going to use the Logan Act, which everyone knows is a joke and preposterous. Where We're going to completely just do everything we can to nail this guy. They they obviously were after him. And, you know, I think it was uh, was it um, Warren Buffett who said if the if the cops trail you for 500 miles, they're going to find a reason to pull you over. That's true. Okay, that's reality. Um, and and we, we know all of this stuff. What are the rationalizations? I mean, I saw—I mean, he's not a—he's not actually technically a liberal, but you know, formerly of, of National Review, David French, talking about how Flynn was doing bad stuff for Turkey. Like, is that where we're going now? Because it seems like Flynn was framed. Uh, Flynn was framed is beyond dispute.
7: Well, French, uh, w- you said you wouldn't call him a liberal. I wouldn't call him a conservative. I'd call him an absolute disgrace. Um, this is a guy who, who praised Adam Schiff when he was lying <clears throat> about the FISA warrants, when he lied about the Steele dossier, when he lied about Devin Nunes, his report. Um, he's someone who attacked Flynn years ago, who said there was absolutely no evidence of an FBI cover-up. And the, the sad reality is that his, uh, his morality and his brain have been completely corrupted uh, by Trump derangement. And rather than looking at the facts and looking at the principles at stake, he just goes orange man bad, uh, Flynn man bad. Facts don't matter. He's bad. He needed to go. And it's really just a sad state of affairs that these people are so deranged that they can't admit they've got the central issue, uh, really, of our generation, of our government, the greatest scandal in American government history. They can't just admit they got it wrong.
1: You think there's any chance that Trump, if the case is thrown out, let's say, or if they ask for a new trial and the federal government just drops the charges, uh, you think there's any chance that Trump will bring him back in the administration?
7: I don't know. I've I've seen people joking about uh, putting uh, Flynn in as head of the FBI to replace Christopher Wray. Now, I don't know if that would be the best idea, but there would be a a certain amount of poetic justice in that. Um, But yeah, I don't know if he'll bring him back in. The thing I'm focused on is that the guy deserves justice. Facts deserve to come out. This case was built on nothing but lies, and it needs to be thrown out so that the pardon never becomes necessary. This needs to be thrown out within the system is uh, an example of how corrupt the entire thing was.
1: I agree. Sean Davis, everybody, TheFederalist.com. Go check out his latest there. He's doing great work on this. Sean, have a, have a good weekend. Thanks so much for joining us.
7: Thank you, Buck.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
2: Mark Conko with the patch says where's the first lady is she accompanied by a state security detail has she engaged in non-essential travel what is your response to people who say the stay-at-home order and non-essential travel bans aren't being abided by your family I believe there's a report from Illinois Rising Action that says that she recently traveled to Florida
9: well first of all I want to say that in politics it used to be that we kept our families out of it you know my official duties have nothing to do with my family So I'm just not going to answer that question. It's inappropriate. And I find it reprehensible, honestly, that that uh, that reporter wrote a story about it.
1: Oh, you mean that do as I say, not as I do is now the uh, ethical position for politicians to take in the midst of a lockdown pandemic. That if you look at what's happening now, I'm going to keep saying it doesn't. This this is not making the what we're doing doesn't make sense. Shutting down all these businesses doesn't make sense unless they think that somehow we're going to be able to eradicate the virus. It does not make sense Uh, if we're heading for herd immunity. And they're not saving lives, folks, because at the same degree, the same number of people are going to get infected. You know, if 70 percent of 100 people get infected over the course of six months versus 70 percent of 100 people getting infected over the course of three months, you have the same number of infected people, the same risk to them, the same likely outcome uh, from a health perspective. So what do we and then they say, oh, well, the, the health system can't be overwhelmed. I keep looking to saying, the hospitals are closing for lack of activity. What is not getting through to these people? Ah, oh, it's just this is a, this is a pandemic of fear as well as a pandemic from a virus. But but back to Governor Pritzker here. Uh, First of all, this guy, I look, I don't pay much attention to the governors in other states because I can't. I mean, there are only a few that I follow with any regularity. It's pretty much New York, Texas, California, Florida, uh, you know, some of the larger states by population. I don't know. Illinois is a large state, but I don't, I don't know that much about Pritzker. But I just know that whenever—whenever whenever someone's like, hey, billionaire man, um, isn't your wife going to your mansion in Florida, even though the rest of us are on a lockdown order and told only essential travel? But but for her, essential travel is uh, just, you know, getting sunlight on the beach in the mansion. Right. That's essential travel. Like, oh, I used to think that families were left out of this. Mm, that's not an answer. That's not an answer. This is a problem. We're going to continue to see this uh, separation of those who are still getting a paycheck and those who are really scrambling and trying to figure out how they're going to keep their you know, people have pulled together a certain kind of uh, life for themselves. People that are working, they have you know, they have savings, they have a job, they have a future in mind, they have all these things. And that has been ripped from them. And it's not helpful for wealthy, smug elites to tell those people, shut up, peasant, you don't need a haircut right now, which is what you're still hearing from a lot of folks. A lot of people that have uh, platforms and have power. You're not allowed. You're not allowed to point out that this is turning into the biggest economic disaster in the history of this country, which it is. This is this is going to be disastrous. I, I know we had my friend uh, Porter Stansbury on the show yesterday, and, and he's very smart. knows a lot more about finance than I do. But uh, I watch politics and politics is driving this ship, not economics. And the political uh, damage that we're doing to ourselves here is stunning, and and it may be irreparable. And I mean the political damage, as in the politics driving decisions about the economy. We seem to think we're just going to be able to put all this back together. The longer we wait, the longer we do this. That's not going to be the case, my friends. I and mean, we're heading toward what thirty trillion in debt by the end of the year if we keep doing this. They're talking about a trillion dollars for state and local governments? Are you going to have bailout of industry after bailout of industry? This money is all coming from us. You know, this money is all coming from really future generations. You know, it's, it's the, the people in charge. And, you know, there's been a, uh, you know, unfortunately, a lack of, uh, of any future planning for future generations. That has defined the United States government for the last 30 or 40 years. You know, they they don't really care about what this is gonna do to the the America of the future. It's the people that are making the decisions now, you know, they want the biggest benefits, they want to run up the debts they want to run up, doesn't matter. And this is this is for the rest of us who are sitting here saying, Hold on a second, thirty trillion guys, we can't do this. They don't have an answer other than, you know, be quiet. You don't need a haircut. Well, actually, we do need haircuts unless producer Mark gives himself a haircut though. So that's the good news. At least he's taking. No,
5: care. no my wife gives me the haircut.
1: Oh, she does it for you? Yes. That's that was well squandered. before quarantine. As, as, as you know, so you guys are, she's an old pro at this. Exactly. I look fine. Well, that's good news. But I'm I'm telling you we're going to reach we're going to reach this non-compliance phase of this and we should reach a non-compliance phase of this because it's it's absurd now. This is getting crazy. Okay, May 15th, that's it. No more. No more mandatory quarantine. If states have to make some you know, adjustments here or there because they have a particular issue and the numbers really do justify fine. But after May 15th, man, we should be open for business. That doesn't mean an end to social distancing, no wearing of masks in close quarters. You know, it doesn't, it's not saying throw everything out that we've learned, but this can't keep going.
0: Thanks for listening to the Buck, Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple
1: Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. The scene in Michigan is one that I think you're going to see replayed in other places around the country. Let, let me also say when I said May 15th we've got to open, I'm in New York. I'm talking about New York should open May 15th. I'm not talking about the rest the rest of the country as far as I'm concerned should be open now. For business. Open for business. It's going to be phased. Some businesses won't open. Some places will choose to stay closed. It's about the mandate. People need to understand there's a component here that's about freedom and choice and making your own assessments about risk, which is what we do in our daily lives all the time. The the across-the-board lockdown is the problem. I am not saying there is right now no future in which we just wake up tomorrow and say, okay, we're just going to go about life and there's no problem here. But there is a future in which we could say, all right, if you want to open up your nail salon and you want to have your employees, you know, wear masks or take some, you know, indoor precautions, they're willing to show up and their customers are willing to show up as well. You should be able to do that. You know, if you want to uh, have your furniture store open, if you want to do these things, you should be able to do that. And if you want to stay home. And, you know, still get the Paycheck Protection Program stuff going. And, you know, you want to wait and you want to wait till July. You want to wait till August. You have that right as well. But we need to allow. The, the, the problem that I have right now is that we're not letting people make these choices. And I know they say, oh, but it's because you're, you're risking other people. That That's not necessarily the case. I mean, you're risking other people. You, you A vast majority of the people aren't infected. So you're not risking other people. Right. I mean, and and at what point is this too much? At what point are we extending this into a a lack of tolerance for risk that's completely unmanageable for society overall? And we simply just can't do it. So I've got to tell you, it's troubling. So anyway, in Michigan, what's going on right now is you had a bunch of, a few hundred protesters who went inside. They said stormed the Capitol. I don't know if it's really, you know, storming the Capitol sounds like they've seized it. You know, they did not seize it. They went there. A lot of them have flags and are open carrying. And open carry, isn't it? I mean, the media is always terrified of anyone who does open carry in a political context. Even when it's completely legal and under state law, there's nothing. Th- th- we saw this in Virginia where they, you had all these open carry. Uh, Second Amendment advocates, and they would say, I think, freedom and constitution advocates who showed up to the Capitol, not a single act of violence, not a a single shot fired. You know, nobody's nobody's threatening anybody else. They're just saying, look, we're allowed to carry. So we're going to carry because we're citizens, not subjects. We are not serfs. We are not here to do whatever the government tells us to do all the time. That's not how this works. That's not the fundamental, the, the underlying and foundational relationship that we have with our government. And it feels like our government has forgotten that lately. It feels like the government has started to think that, well, because there's some science consensus sort of maybe that changes on any given day, because of all of that, uh, they can just override the Constitution and all of our most basic rights. Nope. There is not some... Special area of the Constitution that says, well, unless you think there's a really bad virus out there and then you can tell people to stay locked in their homes. This is this is nuts we, we, the you know, at, at some point there is going to be people are going to have nervous breakdowns and they're going to start saying, I don't care what the, the local sheriff is going to do or the local cops are going to do. I'm going out. I want to try to open my business. And people have already started to do this. They're effectively daring the government to say you're not allowed to you're not allowed to live until we say you can live. You can't live your life. No, that's on pause because we say so. Hmm. This is uh, this is a problem, my friends. This is this is what it sounded like on the on the floor of the Michigan State Capitol uh, yesterday with these hundreds of protesters chanting, let us in. (laughs) They did not, in fact, let them in. But the point was made. They're not going to allow for the continuation of the government, the governor there. I mean, Widmer in particular, her policies have just been draconian and absurd. It's not, not protecting anyone, not saving anyone. The power to make these determinations comes from from what exactly? Remember, they the power to quarantine is well established. If, if someone is sick, that person then poses w- with a virus that we all know or some kind of a, an infection that we know is, is a threat to people around them. That person then does pose some, some risk to those around them. And so to say that you need to be quarantined if you are sick, that's one thing. And there are complexities there, too. And that's not always as straightforward a proposition as we'd like it to be. But to say you might have a virus today or tomorrow or next month we don't know but you're gonna stay home until we say so that is mass house arrest and that is unacceptable that can't continue as it is and I'm seeing the 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 rise in oh, the models are predicting a big second spike Oh, the models are predicting uh, yes there there will be more cases of this there's no future in which there are not more cases of this so everyone everyone who's doing all the scaremongering needs to just say what they really mean. Are you telling us that you want us to stay in lockdown until the virus goes away, which is going to be at least a year or two from now? Or are you claiming that any reopening and return to normal or something approaching normal life for 320 million Americans who, based on the data out of California, are at a a you know 0.03 risk of death from this, you're gonna tell them they have to stay at home uh for how long? Oh no. If they don't do that, then we're all like mass murderers who want granite to die. I mean, this is this is absurd. This is absurd. And and if the ultimate goal, if they, they it sounds to me increasingly like the epidemiologists don't want to admit this, the ones that are getting quoted in the media all the time but we are actually heading for like most of the country getting infected. Over remember initially it was oh my gosh most of the country is going to get infected and two million people will die. Well now we're back to well it looks like most of the country. When I say most I mean it sixty to seventy percent. That was this that was the uh, the estimate from these uh, epidemiologists that CNN was quoting. You might say Buck why do you believe them and you know other does anyone deny that? I, I want to see a refutation of this. How do we prevent sixty percent of the population? over the next 12 to 18 months from being infected with this. What are we supposed to do? Shut down forever? Because if you don't shut down forever, then you are looking like you're going to have mass. And we've already had New York is already 20 percent, 25 percent. So, you know, you you look around and you say, uh, I know how far away are we from this making? And it's only been it's been here for a few months. Another important thing, I just want to note this for, People keep talking about how this versus a, you know, this versus a year of flu. Um, The flu season is like five to six months long. And we've been dealing with this for a good portion of a flu season. But if we're going to compare things, let's at least compare them accurately. Uh, You know, the 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 real the real flu deaths occur around the same period of time that the deaths from the Wuhan coronavirus have been occurring during the calendar year. I keep seeing everyone talk about this as though it's an they're annualizing it or they're, they're making this a a yearly number when it's like, well, this is actually about three, this is about a, a six month period that you're gauging year in and year out from upper respiratory infection. I know that's a little bit perhaps in, in the weeds on this, but I, I do think that's a worthwhile point to keep in mind. Uh, Liberate Michigan, Trump tweeted out. I, I think he's you know, he's in a tough spot here because he wants businesses to reopen but he also knows that the left and the libs are going to pounce on him the moment they get an opportunity. The second that there's any opening here for the president uh, to get blamed for this, they'll do it. So he's trying to encourage the states to to, to make these decisions, in part because that's right constitutionally, um, but also because he knows that if he's the one that's making the final call, especially if it's in a very blue state, it'll all be on him. But it is just—I I can't emphasize this enough. We need to reopen, or things are going to get much worse in every respect. Uh, we need to start going back to work, and that's remember, going back to work doesn't mean that we don't have these problems, and it's not going to be a celebratory thing. It'll be a bit of an exhale, maybe it'll be a little bit of a of progress. There'll be some relief from it, but it's not going to be yay. We're not all better. We're not out of the woods. But the alternative is just, it's just insane. And we've been waiting and waiting and waiting. Two weeks of shutdown, I've told you, two weeks of shutdown, that, that was manageable, and that was what they promised us. And then they extended it four more weeks, and now they're extending it another two, maybe four weeks, depending on where you are, and, and telling us they may extend it even beyond that. Enough is enough. Those of us who want to go back to some degree of not normalcy, just some degree of living our lives. We should be able to do that, and we should focus on protecting those who are at higher risk from this, and that, that is the only way forward. The other way is to pretend that we can just keep hiding under our beds from this, which we, we simply, no one will. Well, no one thinks that we can really do that, but some people keep holding out that as an option anyway. We can't do it. So let's stop, let's come together, let's be adults about this one, and move forward as a society, as a country, as a people. We, the American people, need to have our individual rights and freedom back and deal with this the way we deal with other things, which is with constitutional safeguards in place, accepting that the world is dangerous and imperfect and there are risks. we got to do what we got to do. And I'm here in New York City going outside, going to stores, subjecting myself to this much more so than 90% of the rest of the country does. And I'm saying this, okay? I know what this thing has done to this city. I know what the risks are. But I also know that my individual risk and other people's individual risk who are roughly of my age anywhere in the country is not so high that we should stop living our lives. We need to keep the economy going so that there is... Uh, the, the economic foundation to pay doctors and nurses and keep food on the shelves and keep everything going. We got to keep everything going. That's the, the best thing we can do for those in the higher risk population. because can, can you imagine? I mean we're already talking about meat shortages and you know, 30 trillion in debt and you know businesses and we'll talk about how small businesses are doing. It's not good folks, even with the money the federal government's shoveling at them. They're still going to be going under. A lot of them are, and they're never going to reopen. There is, there is a, a cost to all of this that with, with every day that passes, it gets worse. And the upside of the continued lockdown, inexplicable right now, inexplicable. If we're going to go out and face the virus, why aren't we going out and facing the virus? Those of us who choose to do so, that's not everybody. If you don't want to leave, I'm not telling you to leave. If you don't want to subject yourself to the outside world until there's a vaccine, that's your choice. God bless. But those of us who want to go out and are willing to take that individual risk and to take mitigation measures to, def- to protect other people as we can around us and to protect elderly relatives, to protect those in higher risk groups that we love and care about and want to make sure we keep them as safe as we can, we should be able to do that. And I have not heard a compelling reason why we shouldn't be able to do that. And if someone yells about testing one more time, I'm just going to throw photos in their face of empty testing centers all across the country, which is what we have right now. We don't do enough tests. People aren't showing up to take the tests at the numbers that they're telling us to. How do you deal with that?
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Think of it. We've spent
3: eight trillion dollars in the Middle East and we're not fixing our roads in this country how stupid how stupid is it and we're not fixing our highways our tunnels our bridges our hospitals even our schools even
1: it's crazy it does seem like a an absurd thing that's happened in the last 20 years when you think of how much money we've spent on on foreign wars for what for what i've been in iraq i've been in afghanistan I would wonder what, a lot, you know, the only, the only compelling arguments I've heard for the continued U.S. military actions in those countries that have stretched on for years and years are to prevent the psycho-jihadists from murdering lots and lots of innocent people and to protect one another because they're deployed over there, meaning our military folks fighting to make sure their brothers and sisters in uniform get home. But as a, as a strategic matter, ah. Uh, what exactly have we gotten? And think of all the money we have spent. And this is money. This is our money that is going in. Just shoveling money into Afghanistan. It's a, it's a money pit that will never end. And we just keep shoveling money and shoveling money. And now we're facing $30 trillion in debt. And there are places where we're already seeing the small business program does not have the cash it needs to keep businesses alive the way that it was intended to. You have the $660 Billion dollar. Oh, my gosh. It's an enormous number. Billion dollar aid program for small businesses. The problem is the Treasury Department came in and said, well, you can 75 percent of that money can go for employee salaries and no more than 25 percent on rent, mortgage and uh, mortgage interest and utility payments. Well, guess what? Some businesses, their biggest expense by far is their lease. And personnel are not really that pricey in comparison to it. That is the case, especially for smaller businesses that are in high foot traffic areas, you know, restaurants and salons and things like that. You know, the big expense is to have that brick and mortar location for people to come in and, and condu- you know, and to buy, uh, patronize your business. And that, that is not a 25 percent is not enough. Here's an example. It's in the Wall Street Journal today. Andrea Hans dismissed 25 of her employees on March 17th after New York City ordered businesses like her Manhattan Hair Salon to close. She and the salon's co-owner, Josie Sanchez, applied for a $174,000 loan through the federal program, but only $43,500 could go to non-payroll expenses, not enough to cover nearly $60,000 in rent for the two-month period covered by the PPP plan. So they're short almost $20,000 on rent. Where's that going to come from? And remember that that, that this me, this is all because wh- why not just cover all? Why not just tell people that you'll cover whatever their business expenses are? The treasury will just you know send us a essentially a a a voucher or send us the uh, what's a producer Mark when you when someone's going to pay you you send them a what's it called? I'm blanking on the word. You got to help me out. An IOU? No, well no 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 a uh, not a memorandum. An invoice? Invoice. Thank you. That's it. You send them an invoice. These these are my business expenses since you guys shut me down. Well, because that would be even more expensive than the $660 billion. We we all know we don't have endless cash, but we keep thinking we do something. Like, we know we don't, but we keep acting like we do. Otherwise, why not give all these businesses what they need to stay open and and to survive? Maybe they will, but then we're giving them so much money that everyone's going to start to say, when does our debt just collapse our economy? Or, or be such a drag on the economy that we never have the kind of productivity and standard of living that we're used to ever again. I think we're approaching that point. I don't mean to be a gloom and doom guy, but I think we're closer than we think. Thanks for listening to
0: the Bus Sex, and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
8: All right, everybody, I, I want
1: I don't know if I have great news to send you off into the weekend with, other than we will endure and Team Buck. One day we will be sitting together eating barbecue. I'll be drinking cider because I can't drink beer. You'll be drinking beer or your adult uh, beverage of choice or seltzer if you want to go that route. And we'll be hanging out somewhere in in Austin or Denver or San Diego or wherever at a barbecue joint and, uh, or in the Carolinas or in Florida or in Georgia or you name it. I'm trying. like trying to cover all the country here. You know, Indiana, I haven't been Indiana in Indiana a little while. Uh, and we're going to be hanging out and life is going to be kind of back to normal. It might be a while, but we'll, we'll get there. But in the meantime, we also need to have some fun and some laughs when we can. And I got to tell you, uh, it's always good when I when I send something to producer Mark, if I tell him a funny title, he gives me a very particular kind of laugh. And, and when he even agrees with me that something is very funny, we know it's good. This is uh, Alex Jones, who once or twice has... And it, look, it's humorous. It, it's kind of an honor when Alex Jones uh, makes fun of your hair and your name and says you're a deep state plant trying to take over media, which I wish that were true. I think I'd live in a bigger apartment. But uh, nonetheless, he he's he's crazy, but he's he can be really entertaining. This is one of the best Alex Jones. And there's some great ones. Right. The thing he said, something crazy about frogs years ago. I mean, he's just said some nutso stuff. And this is one of the best Alex Jones things I've, I've ever seen, and I want to share it with you. Because,
8: you know, Buck Sexton, he's part of the Illuminati. He's part of the Bilderberg, the Queen of
1: England. He knows what's going on. He understands the chemtrails. All that stuff. Here he is telling you about how, how he is right now uh, at this phase of the lockdown, and this is amazing.
9: I will eat my neighbors. I'm not letting my kids die. I'm just going to be honest. With my superpower is being honest. I've extrapolated this out, and I won't have to for a few years since I got food and stuff, but I'm literally looking at my neighbors now and going, am I ready to hang them up and gut them and skin them and chop them up. You know what I'm ready? My daughters aren't starving to death. I'll eat my neighbors. See, my superpower is being honest, I'll eat your ass
8: <laughs> I'm sorry man I'm sorry. oh my god i'll i'll'll eat I'll eat your ass I'll eat it. Oh, producer Mark, we did not edit this, this clip. You didn't. This is a real clip of him on a show.
5: If you can only go viral by saying things like this, maybe you need a different career. That's what I'll say about him.
9: I'll eat your ass. (laughs) (laughs)
8: Alex Jones, he's so crazy. Oh, my God. And his followers are so nuts. You like, Buck Six, and I, 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 Alex told me all about you. I know you're a bad guy. You're a bad man. Part of CIA, CFR, CIA, DIA, CFR, L-M-N-O-P, Q-R-S-T-U-V. I know. I know where you're coming from. I understand.
9: Well, I'm combat model, optimum self-sufficiency, probably the leader. The point is—is is have you thought about that yet? Because I'm somebody that thought I could fix this, and I'm starting to think about having to eat my neighbors.
1: Producer Mark, have, have you have you yet reached the point where you're you think you might have to no, eat your neighbors? No,
8: <laughs> I'm not clinically so. insane. <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> He's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna hang him up. I'm gonna dry age, obviously. If you're gonna if you're gonna eat a neighbor, you got to season them properly. You got to got to put salt, pepper. Maybe a little bit of fresh herb, you know, spring of time and hang them upside down and go for it. You know what I'm saying? Got to make sure you got to drain all the juices first, dry age them. And then, you know, make sure you get that human sear. You got to sear the human. <laughs> I mean, I, I think he's look, I think I do think he's,
1: he's uh, intentionally being provocative or it's parody or whatever. I don't care. It's hilarious. It's amazing. Okay. The fact that this guy's running around saying, I will eat your ass. Oh,
8: you think he, he's kidding? I, I don't know. Uh, I'm wondering
5: is, is anyone is would anyone really say this I mean if anybody would
8: I'm gonna eat
1: my neighbor that's I've never heard I've never heard that before do you remember there's the old cartoon like from the Bugs Bunny era with the kind of round guy and the skinny guy on the island and they're looking at each other and the, the skinny guy starts thinking the round guy's a hamburger and the, and the round guy thinks the skinny guy's a hot dog I feel like I've seen that before. You're right. It's an old cartoon of guys being like, you know, marooned on an island, uh, on a you know, a desert island or whatever. But I mean, Alex Jones is already there, man. You know, you, you know, we're walking around as hamburgers and hot dogs to this guy.
5: There's no food sor- shortage.
1: Yeah. In fact, the problem, I, I really think that we're going to find that there's a huge uh, spike in. Um you think I like sizing
9: up my neighbor? I, don't
1: up. <laughs> I didn't even mean to play that. It just happened. You think I like sizing up my neighbor? Uh, I, I think we're going to find that people, I mean, look, I've, I've gained just 10 pounds of winter weight and it's May. Like, this is just the way it, people say, oh, don't eat buck, do lots of push-ups at home. I can't go to the gym. All right. I can't go do outside activities. I can't see my friends. I can't see my family. Uh, I can't you know, go around the city and do things here what is the only producer mark what are the three things we can do to, to entertain four things you can read books you can watch tv you can sleep you can eat food that's basically what you can you do.
5: You play video games
1: video games yeah i mean look you could crochet you could paint i mean i'm but in terms of physical activity
5: i've been working out the, at home a couple times a week but that takes what half hour
1: yeah and even still it's it, look it's just not it's just not the same right i mean you know, they, they can show me all these videos of God. Look, I've been, I did the push ups. I got a headache for a couple of days. I know that sounds wimpy, but I couldn't do it when I had a headache because I get chronic tension headaches. But I'll get back to the push ups, I guess, because otherwise, you know, there's going to be an explosion of, of uh, moobs around the country. You familiar was with moobs?
5: i not expecting that word to come out of your mouth. <laughs> what?
1: It's a man <laughs> like, moob.
5: I know, but like, it, that, that's not something you would normally say. An explosion of moobs.
1: Really? Is that is that not true? I, feel I mean, you're like,
5: right. But okay. I already had the moobs way before this quarantine, Buck.
8: I'm just saying, man. I'm, I'm walking around here. I'm like, thank God the beaches are closed in New York because
1: Baba Buck does not want to take his shirt off right now. Yeah, I'm, like, it's,
5: I'm leaving my shirt on if the beach is actually too open. <laughs>
1: i like, you know, it's better to keep the sun off your skin anyway. So, uh, you know, you want to avoid... I don't want any, you know, uh, melanomas or anything like that. So I got to make sure I keep my my pale skin. Oh, man. Uh, so anyway, yeah, there's going to be that. I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, increases in just uh, anything related to people eating a lot of junk food and bad food. All those health issues. I think you're going to see a lot of that because what else are you going to do, man? I mean, every night I'm sitting here, I'm just like uh, I cook for myself or if I can, there's a couple of takeout places in New York that still deliver that I can eat. So anyway, well, let, let's let's. Oh, uh, it's, it's, we've, we've entered that phase of the show, Mark. We're just like, Oh God, we've got, uh, Alex Jones. I want to finish up what, what his, what his thoughts are here on all this.
9: When to eat my neighbors, (laughs) you think I like sizing up my neighbor, how I'm going to haul him up by chain and chop his ass up. I'll do it. My children aren't going hungry. I will eat your ass. That's why I want the globalists to know. I will eat your ass first. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't actually hear
5: that last part. Hold on, too. <laughs> that man has procreated?
8: I'm sorry. What? I
5: what do you say? I, I just I, heard. I him said say, that I, man has procreated?
8: Oh yeah, he's got family, Ugh. kids. He's got he's he's a radio ho. He's got like radio stations that play him. But he's like he's like I will tell the globalists. This is a quote, folks. Globalists, I will eat your ass first. <laughs>
5: Imagine you're the boss of a radio station and you hear that over your airwaves. <laughs> oh
8: my gosh. Buck Sexton. Is he making fun of me again? Is he making jokes at my Spence?
5: He's going to start coming after producer Mark after this now
1: too. Oh yeah, that's no, probably probably true. He's going to he's going to be uh coming after both of us, but my god, man, that was that is that is one of the all-time great Alex Jones uh Alex Jones trips. Um Or or clips, not trips. Uh, Well, it's kind of a trip, actually, if you look at it. But uh, folks, I just I thought we should all just enjoy that one together for a second because, wow, you know we we need those. We you know I needed a good. We needed a laugh. Producer Mark and I both needed a laugh, and we uh, we hat tip Mr. Alex Jones for providing that amazing laugh because just I can't words cannot describe. That's why we had to play the audio for you.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
1: I think the only thing we can do at this point is get to roll call because uh, otherwise I'm going to get a case of the sillies again. Talking to producer Mark about about other stuff there. But uh, I hope you all I hope you all had some fun with that one. Um, let's go to uh, let's start this off with John. John. Oh, and let me also say, please go to bucksexon.com. dot com. We had a piece up that went uh, viral yesterday on why Barack Obama is ultimately responsible for what happened when he was commander in chief and the head of the federal government during the presidential transition involving Flynn and Russia collusion, all the rest of it. The, you know, the buck stops with Obama. That's just the truth. They can tell you it doesn't, but it does. No accountability whatsoever. When I say accountability, at least there should be some uh, willingness to look into What did Obama know about all this really? He didn't know anything. The president, the the incoming national security advisors under investigation for the during the transition and the administration that's still in power, they, they don't know they're going after him. You really, you really believe that I don't believe that. Oh, they keep it separate, Buck. Sure, they do. Like, we're all idiots like we believe these like we believe these people act in good faith anymore. Right. Struck, Page, Brennan, Comey. Yeah, they act in good faith, please. All right, uh yeah, bucksexon.com. Please bookmark it. And uh, yeah, we uh, appreciate you writing in um, to the facebook.com slash bucksexon or team buck at iHeartMedia.com options. That's how we get that's how we get roll call going. John writes in Buck, thank you for reading our ideas and giving honest input. I value your opinion on my on my thoughts very highly. I'm always interested in hearing what others think. Now, I plan on voting for Trump in 2020, but I have to be honest. It worries me when he says the economy will just come roaring back when the lockdowns are lifted. Fortunately, I live in Texas and will start experiencing freedom again soon. But with our massive unemployment and all kinds of businesses closing their doors, I don't see us getting back to where we were until late next year. If Trump has a plan for the economy, then I'd like to know what it is. I just pray to God that Washington won't spend another trillion dollars to jumpstart the economy. Once COVID is in the rear view, Uh, John, I I think you are correct here. I think that the president is trying to give confidence. I think that he's trying to uh, make everybody feel like it's going to be okay because psychology does matter in all of this. But I am also worried about where the economy is going to go. And It does feel to me like we're going to be the climb out of this. Even let's let's be honest about this part of it. Even if people were all of a sudden that the Democrats, the libs were to agree with me and say, let's start opening up our different states as fast as we can. Even if that were to happen, uh, then I would want to know how well will that go for us? No one no one can answer that. I mean, we think that we're going to open and all of a sudden there may be very, very slow you know, very slow economic activity that takes a while. And it's going to build, I think, over time. And there's the scenario as well where we have a reopen that is followed with an additional shutdown because of a spike. Now, I think we're going to have a real fight over this because how much of a spike is going to be you know, able to justify the shutdown? Right. How much of a spike do you need? That's where there'll be debate. That's where there'll be an argument about this. But Yeah, John, I I think uh, I think we're heading for a bad economy for a while. I I don't see a way around it. I think that this is going to be a drag on us. I think that we'll get be getting we'll be improving and improvement will feel like, you know, taking a shower when you have not in a week. Right. I mean, improvement will feel great, but it's not going to be. It's not going to be what we were used to before this happened. That's for sure. And isn't this also a reminder when I was telling you and others, I'm not saying just me, but when I was telling you, for the first three years of Trump's presidency. Wow, don't we have a great economy? When Trump was saying it, he was telling the truth. The economy was, in, was just booming. It was a booming economy. And yet you still had libs who were lying about it all the time. Do you think that they feel chastened at all by this? Oh, well, now the economy is terrible. Before it was great, they'll admit that. But they were telling us when it was great that it was terrible. These people have no honor, no integrity, no honesty, none, zero. But John, uh, I hope I'm wrong and you're wrong on this one because it would be great if the economy came back, but I think you and I are both right in that this is gonna take a long time. This is, this is we, we, we will be through a long recovery, economic recovery, uh, we'll be at that, I, I think it'll coincide actually with the, with the uh, vaccine. So I think we'll have been dragged through a very slow recovery period and for a year to 18 months from now, then we'll feel like, wow, the economy is actually doing pretty well. We're heading the virus pretty well. And at that point, there'll be a vaccine. We'll say, well, I mean, we're kind of already, you know, up and running again. But a vaccine will still be fantastic. At least we won't have anyone else or very few people dying from this. The vaccine could also, I think, be something that is like the, the flu vaccine where you have to get it, you know, different versions of it year in a year. I, I don't know. Again, that's that's beyond my knowledge set. And I, I admit that. But uh, anyway, no, you know, We just we've all got to just hope for the best here and and do what we can in the meantime. Kevin. Hey, Buck, regarding nice folks in New York City, I drove into Queens once from Midwest Ohio. As I was walking to my buddy's place, there was a guy coming my direction on the sidewalk out of habit. I looked him dead in the eye, smiled, and said, hiya. Oh, boy. That guy glared at me like I just said the worst thing in the world about his mother for about point two seconds. And then he looked at the ground and kept walking. That said, I love New Yorkers. There's a camaraderie among New Yorkers. There's a common understanding that NYC is the greatest city in the history of the world and blank you. It's good when someone's proud of where they come from. Producer Mark, what, I think that's a pretty good description of New York.
5: No, they, that's a great description. If somebody said hiya to me on the street, I would, like, I would give them a death stare.
1: Right. But we also, New Yorkers all do think that this is the best city. I wouldn't say necessarily the best place, because if you don't like cities, you're not going to like it here. But if you're looking for the best city, I think this, this has been the best city in the world, certainly for the last 20 years or so.
5: Oh, yeah, it's the greatest city in the world. I hate it, and I don't want to live here anymore, but you can't say that. Yeah. Because I'm a New Yorker, and you're not. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah no. The, then there is a bit of a pride, a pride of place that comes with this, that, uh, well, you know, there's all these other cities, and we're like, oh, we kind of want to pat other cities on the head. Oh, your city's cute. Oh, that's nice. Oh, hey, Boston. Oh, is Boston all grown up now? Oh, hey, you know. Boston's we not a city.
5: Fun. Their public transportation ends at, like, 9 p.m.,
1: and then we got, and then we got to, you know, then we got to make fun of the Red Sox a little bit, you know, we a little pat on the head for Boston. We make fun of the Red Sox, but we we love Boston. We love you. Yeah. Got I'm a, a Mets great fan. I, I'll root for
5: the Red Sox before I root for the Yankees.
1: Oh, that's right. I forgot about yeah. that. Now, you, now you're just alienating some of our New York audience instead of Boston. So there you go. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Aren't the Mets about to get bought by? I know. I can't wait. A rod, isn't it? A rod and J Lo and J Lo. Uh, well, that that's happen? that's a
5: rumor. So they don't have enough money to buy the Mets on their own. They would need other backers. Kind of like Derek Jeter is the figurehead owner of the Miami Marlins, but he doesn't have the biggest stake in the team. There's silent partners behind him that are the money
1: people. Ah. Has that been been a good investment?
5: Um, They they basically traded away every single player, and they've been terrible for years and claim they're still rebuilding. Miami's not a baseball town. They like football and a
0: little bit of basketball. It
1: sounds about right. All
0: right. We got more roll call coming up in a second. Thanks for listening to the Buck and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: All right. It's roll call, but it's also the penalty box with producer Mark. What, what, are, you gonna, what are you guys going to be eating in the penalty box this weekend? What are you watching? Bring us into your quarantine.
5: Uh, I'm definitely making chicken cutlets tonight. We've got those defrosted. Nice. I, lo- I mean, who doesn't like a good chicken cutlet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you make those gluten free though? I'm
1: very curious. Um, can you? Yeah, of course. You just use flour. Huh? Oh, I, oh, I've made fantastic uh, veal. I mean, sorry, chicken scallopine. Chicken, uh, chicken, not veal because we would not eat little veal. Uh, chicken scallopine, and uh, you can make chicken marsala. I mean, chicken um, milanese. You just use a different flour. You should one day, well, I'll have when the world stops ending, you and Mrs. Mark will come over. I'll cook for you guys. But all you do is change the flour. Everything else is exactly the same on most of these dishes. And the flour is not something that the flavor really. The consistency can be slightly different, but the flavor is exactly the same. I meant the
5: breadcrumbs, though. What do you mean? When you make a chicken
1: cutlet, you're breading them. You make gluten free bread. Oh, okay. I didn't think that. Yeah, yeah, gluten free breadcrumbs. Oh, they, they sell them in a store, too. Dude, the GF community the gf community is growing all the time so yeah, it's gotten really big like when i remember when
5: i was a kid that was gluten-free was not a term
1: no no and let me tell you don't don't go to china and ask for help with gluten-free because they look at you like what and you're like yeah i know it's weird but then you just end up eating a lot of rice that's yeah, pretty much your only culinary option if you go traveling to china you're gluten-free it's very hard i mean
5: there. it's a good place to eat rice i guess
1: i mean the rice the rice was good there's a lot of rice everywhere uh in all the restaurants but uh, soy sauce is the big problem there. Uh, yeah. Soy sauce, your your soy sauce is a no go. It's uh, got a lot of a lot of gluten in it. So anyway, we'll see. We'll see. But we're gonna watch this weekend. Uh, I think there's a new Jerry Seinfeld
5: comedy special coming out on Netflix this weekend. So I'm definitely gonna watch that. So like Seinfeld old school stand up? Yeah. Oh, he's done one before. They did like a documentary slash stand up special about Seinfeld like maybe a year ago, and now this is just a stand up special from
1: Seinfeld. I was watching the, I'm almost done with it, but the Waco series, so good. They're really intense and does not make the government look good, but the Waco series, I give a uh, two thumbs up to for sure. You have to get on really... that
5: after we finish Silicon Valley.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's very, like, Silicon Valley is like a night, you know, it's funny and, like, you can watch it and, you know, it doesn't... The Waco thing will stress you out a little bit. That's the thing. You'll be like, whoa, gosh. You know, I like stuff intense. like that. Yeah, if you can handle that. I'm going to watch uh, Last Kingdom... Utrid, son of Utrid, I'm going to get into some of that, and I'm going to take the Frenchie for some walks, and hopefully I'll be able to get away with not wearing a mask out in public, in open space, not near anybody, okay? If the dog gets COVID for me, that's the dog's problem. I don't want to, you know, anyone else, just stay away from me, okay? I'm not going near you. It's crazy. All right, more roll call. Uh, Let's see here. Jen, hey Buck, I know you're a mayo lover, and already have a favorite. But I was wondering if you have ever tried the Japanese mayo Q-Pie. It's amazing. What makes it different from American mayo is that it only uses the egg yolks. Also, the rice vinegar gives it a sweet, tangy flavor. Give it a try. P.S., love the show. Say hi to Mark. Hi, Mark. Um, Jen says hi. Hi,
5: Jen. Nice to hear and, from you.
1: Yeah. And as for, I've, have you heard of this Q-Pie? I don't know this Q-Pie.
5: No, you know I hate mayo.
1: Well, I didn't ask if you had it. I just have you heard of it. I've never even heard of this before. I don't so want to hear of any new mayos. Yeah, I, I guess asking you about mayo in general is like we're going to a, you know, that's not a producer mark specialty. So Q pie. Let me see. Q pie mayo. Oh, yeah. Q pie mayonnaise. I've never seen this before. Coupine Corporation. Wow, that's a real thing. Okay, thanks for the heads up. I'll check it out. I make my own, Bruce and Mark, we might have to earmuff you for this one. I make my own sriracha mayo sometimes, which is really hard. You just take mayo and take sriracha sauce and squeeze it into your mayo and mix it up. You got sriracha mayo. It's great. Delicious. Unfortunately, I have to let this
5: stuff into my house sometimes because my wife does like mayo. She loves the spicy mayo when you go get sushi.
1: Oh, you mean your wife has the correct palate and actually appreciates the deliciousness that is mayonnaise. Well, Yuck. well, Mrs. Mark, good for That's what we like to hear. She also doesn't eat steak, so. We got to
5: talk about this one. What do you mean? We've brought this up a thousand times on the show already.
1: She doesn't eat red meat because it upsets her stomach. Oh, no, that's okay. Yeah. yeah if, it, if it doesn't sit well, that's, that's another thing. That like, doesn't mean I can't mock her for it occasionally. Yeah. I had a friend who years ago had a really serious girlfriend. This is not this is not like an I had a friend and it's me. This is actually because this is not. Uh, but and now, of course, it sounds like it is, but it really isn't. But his uh, his girlfriend at the time went uh, vegan. And uh, yeah, that, that was a tough one because he had been eating a lot of meat. And all of a sudden it's like, well, we can't. It's not it's one thing when someone's anyone can make their own choices about food. But when you have to abide by their choices, too, is when things get tricky. Right, it's yeah. like imagine, imagine like you know, producer Mark. If you and Mrs. Mark, if she was like, no, you can't even have meat in the house. No, That's she a would different never do thing. that. And that'd be ridiculous. Right. Well, no, but vegans can feel that way. Then and, and there, there was a vegan house when I was in college. It was almost it was like a lifestyle house, so you had to agree to their lifestyle to live in this. It was on campus. It was for students. It wasn't like some off campus thing. Um, but you had to agree and abide by a vegan lifestyle. And there were huge fights because sometimes somebody would try to cook when nobody was paying attention, eggs or meat on their communal stove. And then everybody was like, now we have to have a special cleaning like they would freak out about this. Yeah, I militant, don't know how I could live, live like that. Militant vegans are a thing. Never forget it. Never forget it.
5: I know I'm not in the dating pool anymore because I'm married. But if I was and somebody was like, yeah, you have to be vegan in the house or we can't live together. I'd be like, OK, bye.
1: I, I will Don't tell make me you, eat I, like you eat, I, uh, I years, years and years ago, I went on a few dates with a, a, a lovely woman who was both very right wing and very America. And I bumped into her in New York a couple of years ago. And it, you know, just I just actually bumped into her saw on the street and I talked to her a little bit and it, and it came up in conversation that she had become a essentially a radical feminist and a vegan. And I was like, <laughs> "What? like, how did this happen? Well, what? But yeah. So some people, they go with big change. And this was over the course of maybe six or seven years. You know, I saw her and then six, six seven years later, saw her again. But I can tell you when she loved America and freedom, she was way more fun. <laughs> that, that I can tell you. Way less fun when she became a vegan left-wing feminist, which was, uh, which was a bummer for humanity, I think. All right, uh, Paul, here's my question for roll call. General Flynn was obviously set up, but he was also fired for lying to VP Pence. So I'm on the president's side no matter what, but what is up with that? Um, Yeah, Paul, you know, that's that's a that's a fair point. Um, uh, And I think. You, know, you look at the the lie to general. Remember, there was all this pressure on it because the FBI was also involved. So they, they heightened the pressure on this not this lie that was it really it was unimportant. It didn't really matter. But also, you know, this is there was an illegality to expose the lie to the, the quote lie. I mean, I think I honestly think that general Flynn just forgot, like he was talking to the Russian ambassador, like he talked to a lot of people. And he's just like, yeah, you know, whatever. And. You know, it's not that hard. And I know this, this does, this does sound like water carrying and I understand that. But if you've ever been, as I have, under what is effectively a many hours long polygraph interrogation, you know that, you know, sometimes your head, you go, well, I mean, and you start thinking about if I say that, is it true? Can I get away with saying that and have it still be true? You know, you start to get into these gray areas. You can forget things. You can be stressed. You can say the wrong thing. It's not as straightforward as, you know, if somebody asks you, you know, what is your name? And I say, oh, you know, my name is Sarah. And then and then they ask me again. And they're like, wait, are you sure that's your name? And I say, oh, no, wait, you know, there's there's more than just an initial mistake. If you're going to talk about somebody under intense interrogation or under any kind of of scheme to see if someone's telling the truth. There's more than just is every single thing you say 100 percent accurate. That that is that is a fact. People misremember things. They forget things. Right. There is a difference between forgetting and lying is what I'm getting. There's a difference between a mistake and a willful, uh, a willful shift away from the truth for the purposes of deception. That's actually why, you know, polygraphers will talk about deception. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for uh, markers of deception. Um, And remember, libs don't care about lies. Look at Trump. I mean, not Trump. Sorry. (laughs) Well, they care about Trump's lies, of course, a lot. Uh, Look at, uh, you know, Bill Clinton under oath. Oh, that didn't matter. That was a crime. It was a felony. They didn't care. So they're all full of crap.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show
1: podcast. Check this out. Uh, I didn't realize this deadline was coming up so quickly. Here's the scoop. If you did not file a tax return last year and have children under 17, you must act now to get the $500 economic impact payment per child. I know there's a lot of people who can use this money right now. Make sure to get it done by May 5th to get your payment in 2020. Go to irs.gov and enter your information in the non-filer tool by May 5th. It's still a little public service announcement for you folks. So there you go. Yeah. If you did not file a tax return last year and you have children under 17, you can get this $500 economic impact payment. So check it out, irs.gov. We're here to help. We are here to help, team. That is what we do. All right, back into roll call. Patrick Buck, I believe the southernmost states are probably the most friendly. Georgia minus Atlanta, Alabama, and Mississippi. Huh. Why minus Atlanta? Oh, sorry. Georgia minus Atlanta and then Alabama and Mississippi. I was like, whoa, why are Alabama and Mississippi being thrown under the bus here? I misread that. Uh, he's saying Atlanta is not that friendly. Yeah, city folk, you know, we are we can be look, look at producer Mark. We can be a crotchety bunch. Uh, Alabama has a plus. The food. Bama brought home the beard last. What's producer Mark? What is this? Bama brought home the beard. Is this like a is this like a thing? a trophy for no, football I or something no idea. it might
5: be a football thing
1: oh wait is that the James Beard award could that be what that is maybe uh, hmm I don't know. if you want amazing food come visit from barbecue to haute cuisine we have it in spades all right Patrick um I didn't I'd I, be honest with you I did not know that Alabama was particularly known for its cuisine I know that its barbecue is very highly regarded but I have also uh, not spent time in Alabama, so I need to go I need to go check it out. And I, I know people I people I know from Alabama are lovely. So that's always a big sign of uh, why a place is worthwhile. <clears throat> Jackie writes, just tried Susie's Maple Donut. Finally, something sweet I can eat. Pass along my kudos. Thank you for mentioning these treats some time ago. Yeah. Susie's is my uh, my brother is the co-founder. My older brother is the co-founder of this uh, company. They it's called Susie's S.O.O.Z.Y. They've got really good uh, gluten free and wholesome foods that you can uh, all baked goods. They've got uh, donuts. They've got muffins. They have them in a lot of the big grocery stores. I think they got them in like Wegmans and Kroger's and a lot of the Whole Foods uh, across the country. And you can also go online to their website. So, yeah, that's my brother's company. Thank you for checking it out. I have a Maple Susie's donut literally every morning with my Black Rifle coffee. It's true. Uh, and Tallulah loves them. So I always have to give her a little piece of it. And I know I shouldn't be. This is where everyone yells at me, Buck, I'm a dog owner. Don't give your dog f- sweet treats and it'll make it fat. My like, gosh, she's 11. OK, you know what I mean? You know, if, if, if grandma wants to sneak a little extra butter on her potatoes, what am I going to say? No. Right, producer Mark?
5: Yeah, I mean, once I get to, like, 70, uh, wh-
1: what's the point? You know? So I want a little, like, you know, you you going to tell Grandpa no Bernese sauce? Let Grandpa have his Bernese sauce. Tallulah's, you know, she's getting up there. She wants a little sweet treat. I don't give her a lot, but she is. I will say she's got these cute little sweaters, and they're so ridiculous and so cute that my mom gave me for her to make sure that she doesn't go out in, you know, cold weather. And, uh, and I, when I try to put them all, man, she's... She's uh, quarantines, making her burst at the seams a little bit, too. I mean, those sweaters are getting tough to put on. I'm just going to say it. So that's why I tell I tell my parents she looks looks more and more like a a baby seal staying flat on the ice to avoid the polar bears. That's what she looks like. Um, Deborah writes, I'm in North Idaho. Things are pretty quiet here. We've had cases of Wuhan flu, but are beginning to open up starting next week. I thought that if you were laid off or furloughed and got called back to work, You would lose your unemployment if you do not go or did not go. That would mean all these people who want to stay home to get more money would lose that money for refusing to take their job back. That's how it used to be. Love your show. Well, Deborah, thank you so much for writing in. I'm glad that uh, things in North Idaho are a bit quiet. Interesting, actually, North Idaho, I was watching, uh, as I was watching the Waco series, that is where Ruby Ridge is. Uh, People didn't know that. I think people that live there, I'm sure, know that. But in the rest of the country, Ruby Ridge is in northern Idaho. Um, near Naples, I believe, which is also in northern Idaho. there's a Naples, Florida, there's a Naples just like there's, a, there's an Oxford England and an Oxford Mississippi, and you know, you start looking, there's a Ithaca, New York and Ithaca in Greece, right, so yeah, it's, a, it's been a long day already, folks, you know what I mean, I've just got a, things are just coming into my brain and they're coming out, but at least somebody yelling, I'm gonna eat the globalists, I'm gonna eat them I'm gonna eat them, producer Mark we're going to eat the globalists. We're not, we're not going to do that. We don't eat people here. We're not eating anyone. We're not no. eating... with this, the, the, the Buck Sexton show is, you know, you can call us crazy, but producer Mark and I are officially anti-cannibalism. Anti. I never we, thought uh, the show would have to take an official stance on cannibalism. Uh, but we're there. We are anti-cannibalism. We've decided no. We, we just say no to eating human beings. So we, we got that going for us, which... Is nice, Chris. Hey, Buck. Things are looking a little better out here in California as individual cities and counties along the coast started opening their beach last Friday. Then suddenly today, Gavin, uh, Gaviner Greasy, huh, never seen that before, shut down all the state parks and all beaches in California. This comes on the same day that the County of San Diego Health Department was going to loosen the guidelines and allow the beaches, parks, bays, and ocean to swimming, kayaking, fishing, etc i'm sure you feel the same way but it's total government overreach by the governor so much that he's upsetting everybody not just freedom lovers like us also i've been passing the buck during this lockdown like crazy keep up the good work and stay safe hey chris thank you so much thank you for being a team buck superstar by telling people about the show and to all of you listening we're all in lockdown. we're going to be on lockdown in a lot of states for you know another month or two that's what it's looking like and when i say lockdown you know we'll be under restrictions restricted movement So especially if you're somebody who's not able to go out much and you got some time, please do uh, tell folks around you, others who are also going to be spending more time at home to listen to Buck Sexton show. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, We're we're making some headway there. We're going to be putting more stuff up. It's YouTube.com slash Buck Sexton. Totally free. Just please subscribe. And as we post videos there, you'll be able to see them really easily. And uh, go to BuckSexton.com too. So. That's going to be it for us here in the Freedom Hut. Producer Mark has his orders to enjoy himself. Him and Mrs. Mark are going to have a nice weekend. You all under the same orders. Have a good weekend. Rest up. Relax as much as you can. We'll be back on Monday. Shields high.